Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to The Jerick Show, your one-stop shop for all things cybersecurity, timely topics poorly presented. Welcome to The Jerick Show, featuring your hosts, Javad Malik and Eric Krohn. Timely topics poorly presented. And as always, I am joined by my colleague and sometimes frenemy, <laughs> Mr. Eric Grown. How are you doing, Eric? Doing pretty good. I got to tell you, I still love that that opening um, photo there with you on the couch and all that. Every time I see that, it, it makes me kind of laugh. I still think I pulled it off better. Those were happier days. That was just before I joined you and realized what an ass you actually are in real life. <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, although I will say on the newly formed jerickshow.com website, I believe you're actually the horse's ass on that page. Really? Am I wrong in that? Yeah. Uh, let's yeah. take a quick look. Yeah, let's. The Jerick Show, timey topic. Wow, you are not lying. <laughs> you are not lying. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you will be hearing from my my lawyers soon enough <laughs> i will not take this lying down this is a uh, no no horses sleep standing up okay let's go <laughs> on to the first story of the day CISA log4 show exploits still being used to hack vmware servers there's a lot to unpack there what's going on eric yeah i'm going to do a little monologue on this if you don't mind so um let's talk about this right the uh the whole CISA thing uh, what this is about is this is about a vulnerability that came out back in uh, 2021 i believe it was december and it, it, it impacts the vmware horizon and the unified access gateway the the uag stuff from vmware and the, the patch was put out there it was a cve 2021 44228 for log4 shell um, unfortunately what we're finding is a lot of people have not patched these machines, which is very unfortunate because they're being exploited in a very serious way by a lot of the APTs out there. And it's reached the point now that it's so bad that uh, CISA and the uh, it's the Coast Guard Cyber Command actually issued a statement. And they said, if you haven't been fully patched on this thing by now, you just need to figure out and you need to call this compromised like you need to treat it as if it's been pwned it's that bad and it's that significant they've been hunting it for six or seven months now and uh, and so their guidance out there is implement your incident response plan if you haven't patched by now and for me this really brings up a pretty significant issue and that is patching and knowing what assets are on your network unfortunately a lot of places these days they don't even know what all is on their network. So stuff like this, get, this gets lost. But frankly, anything that's internet connected, directly connected to the internet, you better know what you have out there and you better know how to patch it. It better be in your vulnerability and patching cycle. Please, it's 2022 and we're still dealing with stuff like this. It, it's, it's a little crazy. What do you think, Javad? Yeah, thank you. No, it, it is um, quite a lot crazy. I, I think you're right. Well, you say it's crazy. And I think one of the, the problems is that patching is such generic advice. You can say patch. But 
what we we aren't very good at as an industry historically is actually providing some of the context into what actually makes something urgent or more critical to patch than others you have cvss but again they that doesn't really make much sense to the majority of organizations so but i i think if the coast guard is telling you to to patch then it's something <laughs> yeah. that's quite essential yeah i mean you know i i I don't know that I've seen, and, and keep in mind, I don't dig into the CISA stuff super deep all the time, but I don't know that I've seen ones before that said, if you haven't patched, consider it pwned. <laughs> it's it's time to move on. It's that like seriously being done. And that's what really caught my eye on this one. It's just, it's this argument we've been talking about for years. And you're right, patching isn't easy either. There's a real, um, there's a real possibility of downtime when you patch, we all know this, right? And and that's been the excuse for for decades now is, oh, well, if I patch it, it could go down. But for God's sakes, it's 2022. We're halfway through 2022. If you don't have a plan in place on how to test and then roll out patches to a production environment, honestly, you have no business having a production environment. Yep. Well, you know, strong words by the uh, always opinionated Mr. Crone. <laughs> Uh, leave your thoughts in the comments. Uh, we we'll, would we'll, we'll like to hear what you think about it. Anyway, on to something a bit more lighthearted. Uh, the Conti ransomware hacking spree breaches over 40 organizations in a month. Do you think they have like a sales dashboard or, or a target dashboard there? Like they started off with like, let's try and do one a day. Like every working day, we're going to hit one and and then if you hit hit two a day, you get double bonus. So yeah, that that's probably where they're at. Well, while you laugh about this, um, that's not how we discovered that they hit forty in a month. But what we do know is that a lot of times in these, these this is a ransomware as a service deal, right? So they have affiliates that go out and for profit sharing, they end up uh, infecting networks and stuff. Um, but in this case, what we actually have going on here is. Uh, the software like this actually does have those dashboards, Javad. It actually does say, okay, we have network here. We, we own this network here. What do you want to do? When the C2 responds, it actually goes to affiliate dashboards, just like the stuff we use in the real world. And, and it it is kind of mind-blowing that that happens. But what happened here is they just, you know, they're keeping an eye on things. When groups like Conti, when they come up and they're like, hey, you know what? Um, we've infected you, they generally show a proof of infection. In other words, screenshots of like file structures or some files there. I've seen them like dump passport images from their employees and stuff in these uh, in these sites. So they're looking at how many times that's happened. And I want to say it happened like 43 or more times just in that one span. It's, it's crazy how well this ransomware as a service uh, product and um and way of doing business is working for them yeah yeah i, I think it's it's there there's also something in here about how uh the the researchers have found that conti members are active about 14 hours every day that's about yeah. as much as uh, you know more than what people work in in, in proper jobs anyway and but they do say they're running shifts they are they are but it's still quite efficient like yeah. you know i mean you you what work two hours a day if that it's like the office <laughs> will turn up late you think what you're doing <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. um 
but but no i think i think it's it's uh uh essential to um well a lot of it like you said they use the same techniques as legitimate businesses do yeah and the the thing i really like about or impressed i i don't know what the right word is but it's with these criminal gangs they they set up these affiliate schemes and they get lots of people to join it and i think because they end up making money <laughs> the affiliates stay with them or or the structure is very honest i mean how many things have you found like you know when you see affiliate schemes in in legitimate organizations or they turn into like network marketing or those pyramid scams and everyone loses money or they don't make as much money like you know it's it's one of those things i think it's put aside the fact that these are criminal enterprises they run it really really well yeah. and they they can um you know they, they do a good job in that well and some of these groups are much more focused on who they have as affiliates they don't just let anyone sign up um, they actually have recruiters that go out and say, okay, how you doing? Uh, you know, we see that you're doing well over here. How would you like to join our team? I mean, that's actually like an HR role within this kind of stuff. It's uh, it's pretty eye-opening how, how well it's done and what are we looking at here? Yeah, yeah. Oops, sorry. Yeah, that's what I was uh, at work in the kitchen. Well, okay. No. Hey, while, you know, while we're throwing up weird stuff on the screen, I'd like to... Uh, shout out this little comment that came in java do you want to become famous we can buy you followers primes and viewers just want to throw that out there. fantastic what lost underscore uh please send us your rate card uh and we will throw it into the bin but <laughs> but thank you for that okay I doing this live <laughs> I really like this story. You, you threw this into the notes and I really like it. A Google engineer put on leave after saying AI chatbot has become sentient. Um, <laughs> so I spent so much time looking at that picture, Javad, trying to figure out what the hell they're trying to construe. I got no idea. What would that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. Okay. So, so like a lot of organizations, Google has AI and one of the developers uh Lemoyne said that um it's it's sentient it's it's alive it, I I think basically said are you sentient he goes yes I feel and he goes oh my god it's alive and then published some of the transcripts online yeah. and then they got fired so depending on which side of the conspiracy theory spectrum you sit at it could be that OMG Google is trying to bury this news because they've got Skynet and so they fired the person. If that was true, I think they'd do a lot more than just fire someone because this is potentially bad. Well, technically, On the other I think end, he was suspended, <laughs> maybe okay. without pay. Suspended, yes. Um, on the other end, it's, um, well, that's proprietary information confidential. You can't just leak it to the public. But... Um, what I did also see is that he works for a division or worked for a division. Oh, what's it called? I saw it here a while ago. You you talk while I find it. I think it was down a little bit. Uh, what is it, Lambda or something like that? The um, yes division he was in. Yeah, that that was down a little bit. Responsible AI organization. 
yeah, and that yeah. was like oh why do you need to put responsible into the word do they mean they have an irresponsible ai organization as well within google that's the real question here yeah um you know the, the story is so it's interesting because it makes you think right like i'm like yeah this could really happen i suppose at some point in time i think the way that this came out and what was released as conversations and stuff was so much like scripted right out of a sci-fi novel that really it, i just have a hard time believing this time that it was legit i i don't know it just seemed a little bit odd a bit like you awkward silence awkward <laughs> While, while we're contemplating that silence, do not forget to follow us. Uh, if you want the podcast, uh, thejerickshow.podbean.com. Follow us on Twitter, at thejerickshow. Uh, follow us individually, j4vv4d. Um, don't forget to hit the like and subscribe button. And, of course, the newly minted Jerick Show, thejerickshow.com website, where my lawyers will be sending a takedown notice very shortly. <laughs> Uh, I'm pretty sure you have admin rights to that. So, I mean, it doesn't words, matter. It, it makes it sound so much better when it's like it was taken down after he said my lawyers would be sending a takedown. <laughs> it sounds so much better than just, oh, I have admin. So I just took it down. Right. <laughs> All right. Now, did you have a story, Javad? I think you had a story that you, that you tossed in there as well, right? I do. Boom. So if you just excuse me. Um, Amazon's Alexa device could soon be speaking in a dead relative's voice. That's right. The speaker that you bring into your house that listens to you at all times, even when allegedly it's not listening because it still answers saying that I cannot hear you when you say don't listen to me. But that's neither here nor there. It can, uh, because it listens to you all the time, it can build a deep fake audio profile off you. So, uh, for example, once Eric kicks the bucket, we can get Alexa, who has learned Eric's voice to regurgitate stuff on this show, and we will be like, ah, oh, it's as if Eric has never left us. So uh, they, they had a, uh, they, as in Amazon, had their conference um, a few days ago in Vegas, and they unveiled this feature. And in a demo, they said a kid was like, Alexa, can grandma finish reading me The Wizard of Oz? Uh, Alexa responded, okay, which is the wrong answer. The answer should be grandma's dead. She cannot read anymore. However, um, you know, the, the, um, the head of AI says that um, we... Uh, what was they saying? Uh, we are in, uh, unquestionably living in the golden era of AI, where our dreams and science fiction are becoming a reality. And as this article correctly says, this actually sounds more like an episode of Black Mirror. Now, thing is that this isn't the first time that we've heard about the digital afterlife or people living on through their, uh, through far more I suppose, conventional means, as opposed to creating deep fakes of people that have died. Um, obviously, if there was a deep fake of me that that 
that was created after I died. I'd want it just to say, why did you kill me? Uh, you know, and uh, that, that, that would be great as in haunting Eric uh, for, for, for his time. But there's this story from uh, a few years ago, 2014. Uh, a son races deceased father's ghost in Xbox Racer. I don't know if you remember. So, so if you set the fastest lap time, uh, when you race again, that faster car is the ghost that you chase after. And this boy, he after his father died, who he used to play this game with for for many years, he he picked up the game, and his father's ghost was still there, literally. Um, and he, so he used to race against him, and he had a good time. And then one day, he overtook his father. And he was going to beat him, but then he stopped before the finish line just to let the, the ghost car continue so that he wouldn't overwrite his dad's thing. And I think this is a far more better way of actually remembering people or, you know, through shared experiences as opposed to creating something completely AI. And what I was looking at before, so uh, one of my my relatives, my, my cousin's son, he, he done an internship at one of these, not this one particularly, but it's like a robotic kitchen. Um, so, so what you do, th these things are, are created just for uh, mainly for commercial sort of kitchens, but it can also help people in the house eventually and what have you. So you put all of your ingredients in, in, in the set places, tell the, the robot where all the ingredients are and say, make me ravioli. And it will pull out the right ingredients and it will make you the portion size you want and it will make it taste exactly the same every single time. And what they 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 uh, they found was that you could actually program it with certain people's recipes. So you can take a famous chef and say, "Here's how I make my signature di dish." Then you could download it into your kitchen, and your kitchen would then create that perfect dish as well. But what th the implications for this were was that you could actually ask your grandmother, who might live in Italy, to say, "Can you make your meat the balls for me, grandmother?" And grandmother would teach you how to make it and the robot would learn how to make it and then even if grandma's not living with you or maybe not living at all your kitchen could make you food that tastes just like how grandma used to make it so there are lots of implications for the digital afterlife some of them better than others but i do think that we need to be careful though i think recreating something that someone's done is one thing but you've got to be really careful when you delve in into more into the deep fake territory where you're creating stuff that represents someone but isn't actually them because you can't capture the soul once it's left the body. What do you think about that, Eric? No, you know, I'm a little bit concerned that this kind of maybe cheapens some of the real stuff. Right. So, you know, I, I have a laser engraver and, and I do some stuff there on the side for people. And one of the things I've done is on some uh, some cutting boards, I've actually laser engraved the grandma's recipe for things. Is it, you know, handwritten, you scan it, you do all that kind of stuff, and then you laser engrave it. And it means something for somebody because it was actually done in their hand. But if you can just tell ways, you know, have my grandma drive me to wherever it is I'm going, after a while, that voice is no longer something special. Like when you watch an older movie of that person and you hear them again or see them again. So I almost feel like it, it would cheapen things by doing that. What, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think there's there's lots of things that, that you know, it, this is what I mean by the soul of something. Like you can cheapen things so much. Um, it's just like you being on this podcast significantly cheapens it 
So we'll just raise the stock price once again and uh, not cheapen it. So I hope you had a good time listening to, to us, watching us maybe if you're on the interwebs. Uh, and uh, stay tuned. We will come back to you next week. If you have any suggestions for stories or uh, the, the website and pictures we should use, uh, feel free to drop us a line. Uh, we always love hearing from you because we do this all for you. So thank you very much. And until next week, stay secure, my friends.